Greetings and welcome to Shnayim Mikra, the podcast series developed and sponsored by the Orthodox Union, hosted here at OU.org. In each one of these podcasts, we read, translate, study, and analyze, and discuss one of the aliyot of the current week's parashat. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom, and I'm honored to be studying parashat Devarim with you here via this wonderful medium. We are now at the sixth aliyah, which brings us to chapter 2, verse 31, Paragbet Pasuk Laman Aleph, bringing us to the point in Moshe's recounting of the travelogue where B'nai Israel are about to encounter Sichon, the Amorite king who had gone across the river and conquered part of Transjordan. And again, Hashem spoke to me, and again in the autobiographical first person, uh, Moshe says, You see that I, that I have begun to give you Sichon and his land. You begin to conquer, to inherit the land. Now this again is a very different take than the one that we had in Bamidbar, which was just a few months earlier in actual time, uh, where the conquest of that land was seen something as a uh, post facto and not the ideal. Uh, again, at the end of this particular section, we'll talk about why Moshe would present it this way in the speech. And Sichon came out to meet us. That's exactly what we read in Chukat. They came to Yahatz uh, to go to war with us. But again, the motivation was different. In Chukat, we had asked to peacefully go through the land. They came out to meet us with war. We could have left, but didn't need to because we were allowed to go to war against them. And Hashem gave him before us, and we killed him, and his children, and all of his army. Sichon was wiped out. Now, by the way, this sets a pattern for something that we'll read through Sefer Yoshua and Shoftim, and indeed through Sefer Shmuel, which is that any narrative involving a war, a overwhelming majority of the verses around it are around the war. The diplomatic delegations, the cleanup, the korbanot brought as a result, the um, the anticipation and perhaps the anxiety beforehand, etc. And the war itself, very small. So here we have a whole build-up to greeting Sichon, and basically we have uh, two or three psukim describing the war. One describing the war, and then three describing the cleanup. When al at Kolara, we conquered all of the cities by Etahiv and Acharem and Kol Irmatim, we conquered all of the cities of people living in it. So the men, the women, the children, we didn't leave anybody. Which means this is beginning to be a war of conquest of the West Bank. We kept the animals. And the loot from the cities that we conquered. Now what was the range? Which means it's right on the border of the Arnon River, or the Arnon Wadi, which is the border with Moab, so this is the beginning of Sichon's territory. There was a city that was in the Nachal. Gilad, all the way up to the Gilad, which is in the north, there was no city that was too high for us. Meaning, that we describe these cities that are fortressed and high, which of course, relative to what we've experienced, seeing uh, both towns in Egypt, which generally are not walled cities, and in the desert, whatever we saw, were just encampments, very, very high. Nothing was too high for us. God gave all of it to us. And this will bring us to a somewhat of a repetition 
uh, as we saw earlier, uh, you did not come close to the land of Ammon. Remember, Sihon conquered from Ammon. So the part that you were able to take was Sihon's part, did not come to the part that was currently being held by Ammon. Kol Yad Nachal Yabok. Meaning anything next to the Yabok River, the Yabok River is in the north, in Ammon's territory, and it comes in to the Jordan. And all the cities in the mountains, all of that God commanded that we not touch. So now, continuing describing the war, we went up through the Bashan, which is past Gilad, going from, in current terms, northwest Jordan into southwest Syria, to the foothills of the Golan. And then Og came out to, to greet us. And he and his, and his warriors came out to the town of Edrei to go to war against us. This again is told in Pashat Chukat. And again Hashem spoke to me, Don't be afraid of him. Meaning any nation that we were allowed to fight against, we were going to be successful with and we had no reason to fear. I have given his nation, his army to you, and his land to you. And this becomes the model. Just as Moshe used in the previous Aliyah several models of nations that had conquered from the previous nations, here the conquest of Sichon now becomes the model, and it becomes throughout the beginning of Sefer Yoshua, the model, just what you did to Sichon, you'll do to Og, Sichon who lives in Cheshbon, you'll do to Og who is the king of Bashan. Now, a difference between Sichon and Og, because we always loop them together, even in uh, in Tilim, Sichon and Og, Melcha Bashan, we, uh, there is a critical difference, is the way that it's presented, Sihon is sitting right in the territory that we need to cross through. And if Sihon won't let us go, to, go through, then we can conquer. In the, in addition, in Sefer Dvarim, we hear of another motivation, which is to provoke the war with them, so that we can show our might and frighten all the nations of Canaan. Og, we don't have any of that. We've already frightened the nations of Canaan, we don't need to go through Og's territory, but there is one other piece of the puzzle. If you think back to Sefer Bamidbar in Parshat Matot, chapter 32, the first few verses, we are accustomed to thinking that two and a half tribes who eventually inherited on the east bank of the river came to Moshe and said, we'd like to stay here. But that's not true. Only Reuven and God came to them, came to Moshe and asked to stay there, and then all the negotiations went on. And in the end, Moshe gave Reuven, God, and half of Menashe, some of the families of Menashe, basically Machir, the east bank. Why is that? So as I wrote in the volume one, between the lines, uh, it and based on some of the work that Professor Ali Zurzal had done, it seems that the East Bank was already promised to part of Menashe. Menashe was going to cross across both sides of the river. And as a result of that, this land that Og is sitting on is land that we really already need to conquer. Which may be another answer to the question we raised a couple of the ago about chapter 2, verse 12. How do we explain Moshe using the conquest of Israel as a model to explain the conquest of Esav, he may be referring to the conquest of Og's land, which was already promised to us, and that we conquered. In any case, as we read, and then, as I mentioned, one pasuk for the war, right? Hashem gave us also Og, we destroyed him and his army, and we let, killed them without leaving any any survivors. Again, one pasuk for the whole war. And then the cleanup, and I'll quote it, Kol Arav we conquered all of the cities at that time. A parallel to, there was no city too high for us, there was no city we didn't take. 
Shishim Ir Kochevel Argov Mamlachet Og Babashan. We're going to come back to these 60 cities. 60 cities, 60 walled cities in this area of Chevel Argov, which was his kingdom. Kol Ela Arim Betsurot Choma Gvoha Datayim Uvriach. These were all fortified cities with a wall, a high wall, two doors, a two-door gate, and a bolt. And besides that, there were a lot of open cities, a lot of unwalled cities that were in that area. So 60 walled cities plus all of these unwalled cities. That's what we conquered of Ogs. We wiped them all out. All of the cities, the men, the women, and the children. And again, we took all of the animals and all of the loot of the cities for ourselves. Now it's a summary. We took the whole land, and that's Moshe's turning to the people, saying a few months ago this happened. Now that's why we're sitting here. We have south, Nachal Arnon, which flows into the area of Petra. Uh, so it's in the lower part of the Dead Sea. All the way up to Hermon, we own. And now, as if an aside, Moshe is pointing out that the, the Har Hermon, which is our northern border on the east bank, has several names. The Tzidonim, who are in Lebanon, they call it Sirion. The people in Canaan, Yikru'ulo, Snir. Now that tells us several things. First of all, it's important because if you come across a document that talks about Sirion or Snir, you'll know where it is. Second of all, it tells you Hermon is a pretty important mountain. Every nation's got another name for it, just like the frightening people, the Emim, who were called, um, who were called, who, the Rafaim were called Emim, were called Zamzumim. Here, Hermon is called Snir, it's called Sirion. Now it's a summary. We took all of the, the, the cities in the flatland, and the Gilad, which is the mountains, and the Bashan, which is higher mountains, all the way to Sachad Edrei, which is the place of the war. His cities. And now we find a connection to what he had earlier in the parsha. Og was evidently a survivor, or maybe a child of survivors, of the Rifaim, who we had heard about earlier in the parsha, who had earlier lived in the area of Ammon and Moab, and then the Ammonim Moavim had conquered them, even though they had these very frightening names for them. And he has a uh, metal bed, which is in Rabat Bnei Amon, which means that when the Ammonim conquered it, that had been where he was. A normal person's cubit, this is nine cubits long and four cubits wide. That's how big of a person he was. So he was one of the ancient giants. He was one of these supersized people who had originally been in the area of Ammon, had been driven out to the north. So if one of the Ammonim, but again, this is a model. But Israel, don't be afraid of giants. You see that even the Ammonim, who themselves lost to Sichon, who we beat, they beat the giants. So do a little transitive math. And if we beat Sichon, and Sichon beat Ammon, and Ammon beat the giants, we shouldn't have any problem with the giants. And here we go to against the war, do war against Og, and we beat them. Now there's another piece to the puzzle. If Og is really this giant from the primordial giants, then Bnei Yisrael are now going to get confidence to again repair the problem of the Miraglim. Because the way that we heard the story in Shlach, and the way that we heard a piece of it in Tvarim, the people's fear was of all the great big giants in the land. And now that we've seen that we not only have defeated giants, but we've defeated nations who defeated nations who 
who displaced giants, and go to Rabat Pneumon, you'll see Og's bed. But he was exiled from there. Then that should give us the confidence that we're able to do this, of course, by Ezra Hashem. <clears throat> so we conquered this land, we, we, sell it, we, we took possession of it. We already heard about Aroer as being the southern border. And now Moshe also recalls the negotiations and the agreement made with Reuven and God. I gave from Arnon halfway up to the Gilad to Reuven and God. The Yeter HaGilad, the rest of the Gilad, V'chol HaBashan, meaning the mountain territory further north, in the northern tip of uh, of western Jordan, into the southern part of Syria, in modern borders. Mamlechet Og, Natati Lachatsi Shevet HaMnasheh, that belongs to the other half of Menasheh. Kol Chevel HaArgov, L'chol HaBashan, Ahu Yikare Eretz Rufayim. That whole area, the Chevel HaArgov, that had those 60 big cities, that is commonly known as Eretz Rufayim. Evidently because the, according to the ancient legend, the, the legends that the local peoples had, the Rafaim, who were these scary giants who lived in Ammon, when Ammon came and defeated them, they ran away to the north. And that's where they were, in the mountain territory. Now, in the meantime, Ya'ir ben Menashe lakach et kol chevel argov, ad gvul ha-geshuri v'ma'achati. Geshur and ma'achat are two small nations that live just below the Golan. In the Golan, just below the Golan, right near the Kinneret. Uh, the king of Geshur, by the way, uh, his daughter was one of David's uh, wives and the mother of, of, of Shalom. Ya'ir ben Menashe now takes us, however, much further back in history, perhaps. Because if Ya'ir ben Menashe is really ben Menashe, then this happened several hundred years ago. So this may mean, and there is lots of uh, uh, Midrashic information based on uh, some passages in Divrei Hamim, Aleph, Perak Dawad, Interesting comment of a student of Rosadi Gaon's uh, in his commentary on Tivriyamim about this, that Ya'ir ben Menashe had left Mitzrayim hundreds of years earlier and had come with his, with his group and had conquered this area because this was Menashe's territory, which is why Moshe now gave it to Menashe, even though Menashe didn't ask for it, and why they had to go defeat Og to get it. So what did he call the Bashan? Other people called it Eretz Rafaim because the giants, uh, the scary giants had run to there. He called it Chavot Yair, Yair's farms. Ad Hayomazeh. And it's called Chavot Yair Ad Hayomazeh. And Chavot Yair, by the way, is mentioned also in Sefer Malachim, several other times in Tanakh, uh, also in, uh, in Sefer Shoftim, when a Yair Hagiladi, a particular Yair Hagiladi, is presented as one of what we call the Shoftim Haritzufim, the, um, the Shoftim that are just part of the, they don't have any stories about them, but the Shoftim that are told as part of the uh, chronological sequence. In any case, we have finished the sixth Aliyah. We have seen again an emphasis on the, uh, on the um, uh, confidence that B'nai Yisrael should have based on their recent experiences and their wars against Sichon and Og and HaKadosh Baruch Hu's plans for all of that. Everybody should have a wonderful day.